You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of All Things Fine and Gentry. This is the Connoisseur French Thompson, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you all for tuning in today. And if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. We would love for you to become a part of the listening audience. We would love also for you to like, share, rate, review, subscribe, share this with your friends, your family, those you like, those you don't like. We just want to get the word out there. And to our returning listeners, the connoisseurs, welcome back. I'm glad that you all have uh, stuck with us and continued on in this uh, in this life called All Things Fine and Gentry. And so we are uh, all the formalities out the way. We are closing out our Vice City series here. And um, what better way to do it than with the guests I have on today? We're going to kind of talk about a lot about how what we've learned over this series about, you know, what we quote unquote call vices are really just, you know, habits and lifestyles and uh, and, and things that people indulge in that create them, that define them, that help to uh, uh, be a part of their personality, who they are, what they do and, and looking at the positive sides of it. So we're going to dig right into it today. And I want to welcome to the podcast my guest Erskine Hawkins. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Connoisseurs, nice to nice to meet you all. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, man, it's 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 been a long time coming. Uh, I've I've known this gentleman for a while, and uh, we exchanged a lot of stuff on on social and things like that about our our common lifestyles, and uh, felt it'd be a perfect time to get him on here. So I'm grateful that you you had the time today in between your busy schedule to hop on. So we're going we're going to kind of dig into it. And so if you would. Um, as we typically let our guests do, just kind of introduce themselves. So tell us uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, and kind of what you do, and we'll, we'll kind of dig into it from there. Absolutely, man. You know, first thing I said, you know, that, that intro music kind of got me hyped, man. I'm ready. I was up, and so I'm like, okay, oh, <laughs> right. But uh, so my name is uh, my name is Erskine Hawkins, and I currently I live in Arlington, Texas, right outside of Dallas. For those who don't know, and um, I'm from, was born in Mountain Home, Idaho. And uh, really? my parents were, yeah, yeah, man, Idaho. Yep, that's where, that's where me and my, my, my family were from. Well, we're not actually from there, but my parents were military. Mm. They were in the Air Force. And they met there and fell in love there and got married there and had all three of their sons there. So we're all, you know, Air Force brats. But um, so I was there for about eight years, six, seven years, I think. And then uh, we moved around a little bit and then landed in, Wichita Falls, Texas, which isn't too far from mm-hmm. Dallas. Oh, my dad retired. Um, I guess it was, I think I was there for 11, 12 years, something like that. My dad retired. We moved out to the uh, the Metroplex, and we've been here ever since. Well, that's what's up. That's what's up. So um, Idaho, that's that's crazy. It's it's a beautiful beautiful right. town out there, but uh, or a state. It's so many pieces that uh, that's pretty cool. So. Tell us about kind of kind of what you do. Um, yep. and we're we're going to dig dive into it a, a lot more, but just kind of high level because I think it'll give us a good backdrop for where we are. Right, well, yeah. Um, so while I was in Wichita Falls, man, I started uh, playing piano in church. At first, I wanted to be a drummer, but that didn't work out for me. 
Um, so I, I started playing piano a little bit here and there, and then I, I went to uh, in high school. I was in a, a like basically it was an arts high school, but not really. And then in college, I went to college for music for um, piano, uh, jazz piano. And then after college, I moved out to um, Newark, New Jersey. Really, it was Woodbridge, mm. New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And then uh, I would commute into the city every day, and then wound up uh, going on tour with an artist named Chrisette Michelle, and then. There, I've toured with a whole bunch of different people, and that's kind of still what I do now. Um, so I toured with uh, with her for a while, and then with this artist named Vivian Green, and then that snowballed into this girl named Zendaya, who's I mean, she's in everything now, mm-hmm. but she and and then uh, from there to Eminem, and then to Rihanna, and then like everybody few and far in between. So that's still that's still what I do now. So it's a lot of a lot of traveling, a lot of, you know, getting up on these on these flights and, and traveling around. And then uh, so not only a keyboard player, but I was also a music director for some of those artists. And I would help put the bands together and rehearse the bands and blah, 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 and that kind of a thing. But basically, that that's really it. I play I play keyboards and travel around and <laughs> play. <show. laughs> I love it. I, you know, I just uh, just a, a few, you know, a few artists that I that you may or may not know. <laughs> And, you know, I just, I just I just play keyboard and travel around. That's that's the summary. I like that, sir. And depending on depending on the circle, man, you say some of these artists names like who? <laughs> like, I mean, down to Eminem, like, you know, it depends on the circle that I'm in. People have no idea who some of these people like even Zendaya. I used to that used to be my one that I would ghost over and be like, yeah, put this girl named Zendaya. And she I mean, she had her own show on Disney at the time, but like anybody over the age of 25 had no clue who yeah. she was. Yeah. Some people know Spider-Man and she's in Dunes. I mean, she's all over the place now. But like at the time, she I would just I would ghost over that ghost over Chrisette, Michelle. I just wouldn't I would just say I just travel. That's it. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, yeah, which, which is perfect, because, I mean, we're going to kind of hit on both of those things. But I want to kind of get back into where it started. Right. So, I mean. Was music in your family or was it just something that you you picked up on your own? So my dad actually plays um, piano. He never played professionally, but it's always been one of his passions. And um, man, funny thing is, he's got three sons. Um, my dad has an engineering degree. He has mm. a passion for music. played my whole life. And then he has a couple of degrees in math. I'm the musician of the family professionally. My older brother is the engineer and my younger brother is the math teacher. And that's that's what we do. Uh, my, um so the, the passions that my dad had somehow got, not somehow, they've been passed down to each of us and we each uh, took a chunk of his passion and ran with it as our career. So that's kind of how I wound up. Here's the, uh, you know, the, the musician of the family. And my brother also, my younger brother, he plays bass. Phenomenal bass player, but he didn't like touring. We've done some shows together, um, but he refused to tour with me. Come on, man. Come. <laughs> so last Friday, actually, I dragged him out to Phoenix with me to come play. But it was like pulling teeth to get him on a flight. He does not like going. But not, probably one of the best bass players I've ever heard. But he just likes he likes to be home. And I have to respect it and just let him, you know, let him be home. Because that's what he enjoys doing. But, yeah, so music is in the family for sure. Um, but I, I just got into it. Um, yeah, my, my dad had always played. It was something I wanted to do. And that's kind of how I landed on this is what I want to, you know, this is what I want to do. Which is, which is pretty cool, right? And, I mean, one, I mean, prior to us. You know, press and record on a podcast. Um, we had kind of talked about that. 
we both have two children and it's interesting how, you know, our kids pull certain things out of us or have certain uh, uh, characteristics. But it's also, you know, it will be interesting. We both have very young kids, but it will be interesting as we get older to see what what they pull from us. Right. Pull from us or our wife, all those things, you know. Yeah, I've never thought about that. That is exciting to think about. It really is. I can't wait to see what my son latches on to right now. I mean, he we've got him a drum set that's his size, so he plays drums. And then he's got a guitar that he walks around around the house. We just bought him a little toy saxophone from Amazon. I mean, he was looking for that thing that he was so mad he couldn't find it this morning. It was at Nana and Papa's house. But he woke up at 6.30 this morning. Dad, where's my saxophone? Wow. Where's my saxophone? He wanted to, wanted to play it this morning. Yeah, it is it is interesting. So far, it looks like he's interested in music. But I'm not sure if that's just because, you know, I, I do music or or whatever. But I mean, it's every day. That's what he enjoys doing. So I'm curious to see. My daughter, not so much. She's one, and uh, she just wants to do whatever he does. So we haven't quite he's interested in. But hopefully, that'll start to shine through. That's real. That's real. So you 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 make your way. I mean, out to to essentially New York City, right? In 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 your mind or in your in your heart, right? You you know that you love music, right? This is your <laughs> vice, right? Um, but how um, I mean, did, did you did you go out there on a on the whim? Right. You see all these movies and stuff like that. Right. Starving artists and things like that. Or, or did you did you kind of know what you were going to do or, or was it kind of a, a you know, a, a, a word from heaven? Thou shalt go play here. And then it all kind of fell together. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, man, because I I, uh, I I talk about this this moment. Sometimes I talk about it frequently I mean, when people ask, but other times I just kind of gloss over it. But man, actually, in 2011, that's when I went uh, when I went out there. Um, it was January 2011, and I knew that I was going to go out there. I knew that I wanted to go. But the timing of it is what kind of wound up being. It was very God inspired, man. Mm. I that I'm going, and that's that. And then like we looked at the weather. It was me and my mom and my dad because I told them I was going to head out there and I was going to stay with family, my mom's sister, and. Uh, there was a huge snowstorm that was going to be coming through. And I'm like, I have to be in New York. Like I have to be there. This is God is telling me it's time. It's time to go. And that's what the, uh, I said that that's what God is telling me. It's not like I'm just in a rush and I'm being impulsive. Cause I mean, there was nothing pulling me to be there. I didn't have to be there at a certain time. I did. However, back in the day, Craigslist used to be a thing. So I did <laughs> before I was heading out there, Every artist or every person on Craigslist said, hey, I need a keyboard player. I responded and said, hey, I'm moving up out there. I'm your guy. So I had gigs lined up for three weeks, just local gigs playing any genre of music. But I could have canceled those. So that wasn't the thing, but it was it was time to go. So I packed up the car. I had a Kia Sorento at the time. <laughs> I packed it up, and I dragged my younger brother along because I mean, he doesn't like to travel much. So I'm like, man, you're coming with me. So. I, you know, I booked his return flight or whatever, but uh, I needed someone to help me drive out there. And I didn't need his help, but I wanted someone to come out there with me to help me drive. And, uh, man, we drove out there. We did. We, uh, I, I guess we hit a rock out somewhere in Tennessee. Something jumped up and hit the, something under my car, man. We broke down on the, not on the side of the road. We made it to the next town, but that delayed us like five or six hours and then uh, while they fixed the radiator, I think, and then we had to keep driving. And then we did. We got we got hit in that snowstorm, man. Couldn't see anything. Went on and pulled over and stayed in a hotel overnight. Got up. Snow. I mean, it was inches of snow. And, and, and you're and a Texas that. boy. <laughs> well, I'm a 
So you already know how that is. And I mean, I think by this, we still had eight or nine hours to go in the snow. So, we, you know, that took even longer. So we went on and drove it, man. Just we slowed down, we drove um, and we finally made it there. And then long story short, I was in New York if you were, for two weeks and then got a phone call to start, you know, hey, um, our keyboard player, what's up, Michelle, is uh, heading back to college. He wants to finish his degree. Are you are you free to to, to jump in? And that's why I was like, I wasn't sure why, but I knew that like it was time for me to be there. And that's, I mean, that that opportunity is what led to really everything that I'm doing now. It snowballed from that that opportunity that I got after two weeks of being in the city. That's that's crazy. And I'm sure there'd be a few people on on the podcast like that never works out. But <clears throat> it's all when when you're aligned and you're doing what you're supposed to do, things things do kind of fall together like that. That's that's a pretty awesome story. So I, I want to ask, right, as you started um, <clears throat> and you, you know, got with Chrisette Michelle and Vivian Green and others, when you, you know, sat there behind the keyboard and looking at it, I mean, is there a, a I'm gonna call it a rush, but do you feel like, hey, man, this is not necessarily this is where I belong, but like the a reaffirmation every time that you kind of step behind there? Um, you know what? I was excited to be there, but I think the adrenaline had worn off uh, by that point. This is 2011-ish, you know, going into 2012 when Vivian Green started with her. Um, I was the music director at the Potter's House 2009, mm. I think, or somewhere in there. I mean, in college, I mean, I definitely was there in college. So, I mean, once you're there with the with uh, Bishop Jakes for a while, like – it would take a lot to surprise me to get my adrenaline running. That's real. That's far. I mean, and that, that was so, I mean, I was blessed in the way that that was kind of my training as far as stages. And as far as like platform, like you're not going to find a, a bigger platform around the world than being there with Bishop Jakes. And he starts hooping and we're shouting and there's a whole bunch of, you know, that, that everybody doesn't know about that. But like, as far as adrenaline goes, it, that, you know, it takes a lot to, to catch me off guard now. So uh, but I am I am very thankful for the things that I've been able to do and and sitting behind Chrisette and Vivian. I mean, I, I would look at it and, and say, man, I can't believe that I'm I'm here. It's been, a, you know, it, it was a long time coming and I went to college for this and, and training for this to, to to be a touring musician. I set my sights on that. Uh, was it freshman year of high school? That would have been 2000. 2001, mm. I guess. And I started, I mean, it was a 10 year, it was a 10 year a journey, a 10 year journey. 2001 is when I started working towards it. And 2011 is when I started doing it. So, so, so this is, yeah. this is very interesting, right? So you kind of, you know, as a part of your story, right? You, you've been on large stages. You, you were on the, um, the gospel side, the spiritual side. Um, but, but you, you made a choice, right? You said, Hey, I, there's still more that I want to do. How did you decide that you you wanted to be a traveling musician versus being called an artist in residence, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better word? You know, so um, Six Flags, I'm not sure. Well, when, when did y'all get to Dallas? We got to Dallas in 13 or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, I think they had already stopped doing it. Six Flags used to do this gospel um, series 
concert series out at the uh, they have this huge amphitheater out of Six Flags. It's like a ten thousand seater, nine thousand, something like that. But anyways, every year they would bring in two artists um, on the same day. So uh, I think one of the pairings was Kirk Franklin and Fred Hammond. One of the pairings was Donnie McClurkin and uh, I think it was Mary Mary. And then there was um, I think Tone was one time. I think, but there was a I mean, there was a whole bunch of people. So anyways, I remember we used to go to that every year in my youth group when I lived in Wichita Falls. So we'd do the two-hour drive up to which, uh, to Dallas and go to this thing. And I was watching and, and just worshiping one night at, uh, I think it was a Kirk Franklin concert. And I'm like, I want to do this. Mm. I really do. I, this is what I want to do. So as far as being an artist and, you know, and just being a keyboard artist, that was just never something I desired to do, like, writing my own music and doing that even to this day people still when are you coming up with your album and i've done one i mean it's it's out there somewhere but that's not that's not something i'm passionate about like i have no desire to sit down and like create music now maybe in the future i will but touring and traveling was really the traveling part but i've always loved to get up and go my mom was going somewhere when i was younger i mean you know when i was nine and eight and whatever she's like hey i'm heading to the store oh, i'm coming put on my shoes i love to get up and go so that's you know so to do that as for a living, that's absolutely what I want to do. And I wanted to marry that with, you know, playing music. And and that's, you know, thankfully, that's what I was able to do. It wasn't for gospel artists uh, starting out, you know, it uh, wasn't gospel music starting out. But thank thank God, that, you know, I'm able to now do that with uh, a few gospel artists here and there. So I still get to do that. That's good. That's good. So ha- have there been differences? I mean, a lot of people... Well, not a lot, but you know, people will say that you know, music is music, right? It's it's the the purity of it, right? Is is the music? It's however is being used that can be you know make it secular or gospel or or whichever way you want to go from there. But but being on the platform, being on the stage, and you know, or being in the studio with with these artists, do you notice any significant differences in in regards to the artistry? I would call it, um, or, or the way that they approach their work, or is it very similar? Uh, thankfully it seems to be a lot of the same guys, um, behind the scenes are like, they really run both, both sides of the, like the gospel side of it and the the secular side of it. Mm. So behind it's very similar. Like they run very similarly, uh, if you will. So a lot of the people in the band, a lot of the music directors and all that, they're in both worlds. So thankfully for me, I've never been on any kind of a tour where it's a lot of, you know, just drugs and, and alcohol and this and that. And surprisingly, on Eminem's uh, tour, you would think that would be like, oh, man, that could be, you know, whatever. It was a dry. Uh, the, the rule was this is from him. It has to be dry backstage and clean. No alcohol at all of any kind. Wow. And that was for his. So there was no alcohol, no girls backstage, no nothing. It was clean and dry. So that was, you know what I mean? So that was the environment. Everybody's just sober. We're sitting around. We're talking. We're hanging out. So, yeah, I, I, um, that's on, on that side of it. And on the gospel side of it, yeah, it, it's it's about the same. It's really even killed. I don't think I would put myself in a situation um, where I was uncomfortable. You know, if I'm, if I'm uncomfortable there, then I just wouldn't go back. And there have been maybe a couple of instances where it's like, ah, uh, you know what? I, I did that one time. I don't have to, well, I, you know, I've been in that environment one time and now that I see what this gig is going to be, uh, I'm just not interested in coming back, which thankfully, you know, I've always been 
able to be in a position to where I'm not hurting for money yeah. uh, with any of them. I go and I do them because I enjoy doing them. But I learned early on uh, in this profession, like if you don't have money in the bank, you're going to be stuck doing whatever kind of gig that comes along. And then, you know, you're what, did, what was it? There was a phrase my mom used to say. I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, but never let yourself be backed into a corner where you have to do something. So, Ooh. you know, you always money enough money in the bank to sustain your life. And this is Dave Ramsey 101 kind of stuff. Sustain yourself for six months or a year or whatever the case may be. But if there's some something, you know, at a gig, it's like, I don't really want to take, you know, partake in that or take, you know, part in that. I can book myself a flight and fly home and think nothing else about it. But that's never had to happen. But there has been once or twice on a gig where it's like, ah, I won't be back kind of a thing. And I'm okay with that. That's real. That's real. So I got I have two questions here, uh, two, a, a fork in the road per se. Um, sure. You, you kind of talk about like the atmosphere, et cetera. But I'm curious as well. Um, from, from an artistry perspective, like when you're back there with them, do you, you know, is, is the passion, I don't want to say the passion the same, because I, I don't, I don't want to say that, you know, one person or one entity or artist isn't as, you know, pure in their craft as the other, but you know, what some of the similarities versus differences you see or, or that you have seen over your, you know, decade plus of, of being on the road and, you know, being in these situations, you know, are you, have you ever, I will maybe I'll say it this way. Have you ever been surprised at like the, um, the, the purity of the artist and not in a pure sense of like vice versus non-vice, but more of like, man, this guy is an artist or this girl is like all about the music or, or their craft. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I have seen that. I will say, so back to, uh, I'll start with Eminem. That was actually the most surprising. For me, I mean, the fact that it was a dry, you know, it was dry backstage, whatever. That was the most surprising gig for me. And I, he is nothing, in my opinion, he was nothing like the music. You wouldn't expect him to be the way he was. I mean, he was one of the most down to earth people. I know dude is always on as far as clowning around or whatever. It's hilarious. He's cool to hang out with. I mean, he's got, um, there was one thing we we've done a couple dinners with them. So w- with that camp, there was an A party, B party, and C party. I thought it was like an order. When it really is, there's artist party, band party, and crew party. And rarely did the few meet, so we didn't really ever see them. We would always normally be in different hotels. We'd fly on different flights and that whole thing. So you know, we'd never really. The band was with the band, and the artists were with the artists, and the crew was with the crew. But every now and again, we would do a dinner together and run out the whole restaurant kind of thing. Go sit down. And uh, he and his friend, uh, Danan, they would do this thing where he would like, all right, somebody give me a word. Mm. And uh, someone would give him one word and he would just flow. Uh, like, so let's say the word was uh, anchor. No, that's a hard one. I don't know because I can't do this. Kind of thing. <laughs> you, I mean, he would string it together with every word in the dictionary that the source that rhyme with it, but make it into a story that made sense. He did this at dinner. Like at dinner, just hanging out, and he and his fr- and then his friend Denon, I guess they were in a group together back there. That's his, uh, I guess hype man, I guess mm-hmm. you call it. Also, just his killer, and he'd be like, "No, man, see," and at, you know, and we get to the end of it, he's like, "I think that's all the words I know that rhyme with you know Maine, Maine, and uh, sustain, and, uh, and then abstain, and go da, 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 da. like he would go down at dinner, waiting for the food, and then his friend would be like." Yeah, man. So you missed this word, and you missed that word, and you could have put this back there, and you would have did that. And I was like, yo, they dissected the way. I mean, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. I'd never seen anything like that. 
And that's him on a normal day. That's, that's cool. That's just, I mean, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And he was killer. No mic, no nothing. No, no, nobody recording anything. He would just go. And it was every time I would see him and we would sit down or even just in the, the green room. We didn't really see him in the green room because he had a different green room. And if we were playing a show in Paris. He was staying in London. It was that kind of like he wouldn't, he, you know, that way people would, they, you're not able to find where he is. Cause he's got stands, but anyway, uh, <laughs> no, that's what they call him. They call him stands. They, I mean, they would find. He rarely stayed in the same city. That we stayed in. like he'd fly in on a private jet, do the show, and fly out to a different country. Wow! Uh, it was it was. We would never know where he was. So you know, if we were ever tortured, we can't give up his location. <laughs> it was, that's really what traveling with Eminem was like. It was the craziest thing. But anyway, uh, that's an. Struggle with Zendaya. She was a sweetheart. She used to do, and it wasn't even an intentional thing. The last last fan standing. So if people wanted pictures, I mean, as tired as she would be after filming and everything else, she would make sure everyone got their picture. She would stand there and like take pictures with everybody and stop on the in the airport and make sure people got pictures. Not all artists do that. Some people are really like, ah, no, thank you, nothing. And you know, they've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. But she made sure. Buddy who wanted a picture with her got one or an autograph or whatever and we would stop and wait sometimes for hours just sitting and waiting for her to finish up but that was something she really loved doing so um but that's 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 it as, no as that, far that, as artists yeah i mean so so it's very interesting right because i forgot who i was talking to about this recently it was on the podcast um but this this um, I, w- I would call it th- this uh, public appearance or what people think about you versus who you really are. Right. And people sit back and make up all types of, you know, assumptions or stereotypes or anything like that about artists and artistry. But like you're talking about, man, it's 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 a totally different thing. Like, these, you know, these people are they're people, they're human, you know, and, and they have their own way that they express their appreciation for their craft, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, man, you know, I used to I used to look into that, too. There was a at one point and in, in, um, this was 2014 and I would think I was traveling with Brianna. So maybe it was 2015. And man, I came back and I was saying stuff that wasn't just quite like me. And uh, a good friend of mine, he actually he, he checked me and not in a, and not in a rude way. He's like, man, Chris, I've never really heard you talk like this. Uh He's like, ah, I don't know if I care for it. Mm. And I said, and at first I was like, yo, who is this dude? You know, I, I'm a grown man or whatever. That stuck. That was like eight years ago now or something like that. Well, whatever that was, six, seven years ago. And I said, man, you know what? He was absolutely right. I am not being myself. Like the person that I am at home and the person I am on the road, they, they, they can't be two different people. Like I got to be the same person. But and yeah, that was one of those artists that I, that I was telling you I, was, I travel with. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going back to this because I've been like who I was like Become. turning into. Wow. Yeah, I was becoming and I, I just I didn't go back. So that was yeah, I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. So right? so this is interesting, right? Because I you you, you gave a perfect kind of inflection point because I want to pivot to travel here. But the the last piece to kind of bridge this gap, um, you know, people believe or look at, you know, traveling musician and touring and all these things as, you know, glamorous, but you already broke down, right? There's a lot of artists where you have the A, B and C parties and things are separate, et cetera. What, what, what do you believe is probably the most uh, or the, the biggest misconception of 
what it's like to be a, a, a traveling artist and musician? Um, that you're going to make like a million dollars <laughs> because, because Justin Bieber is rich. The musicians are rich. I mean, that's, that is not the case. I don't know what the pay scale is here, but I saw an interesting stat that said in the United States, you know, what is it? The CEO or whatever makes 450 times more mm -hmm. than the person. I'm not saying it's the same in the music industry, but yeah, we definitely don't get paid nearly what the artists make. So that's, that is a misconception that, you know, the people traveling around this person are also just as wealthy as the person, you know, up in front. And, and, and granted, it's not my name on the billboard, so I don't expect to make nearly what that person makes. Um, but that's, that is a mis that is a, a strong misconception. We, we get paid well, I guess. Uh, but you know, we're, we're in, by no means rich. I guess. <laughs> so People like this life want to do it. They want to be, you know, they, they want to make a lot of money and whatever, you know, they want to go make it quickly and whatever. But it, it, in my experience, it's never been that. Yeah. So, so it's interesting, right? So, but you do it because you, you, like you said, this is something that you want to do, but you also, like you say, you love to get up and go. And so let's pivot to travel here, right? So, I mean, obviously pre-pandemic, you, you, you traveled a lot, you, you, you know, did a lot of these things. Um, and, and, you know, I want, I don't want to say there's a, there's a pre-pandemic travel life versus post, but you and I talk about it. There is, there's, we talk about it a lot, but was, go ahead. Now, I mean, uh, I was in, um, well, th this week was take your wife to work week with, uh, with, uh, baby face. So I took my wife down to Cancun with me and, uh, on the, on the way home, was Wednesday? Yeah. On the way home, I uh, was looking at, there was some refrigerator magnets. My mom used to collect them. So for years and years and years, every city that I play a show in, the rules, if I played a show, not just land in the city, mm -hmm. but I play a show, I would grab a refrigerator magnet for her. So now, I mean, her refrigerator is just covered in magnets to the point now where I don't, I don't do it anymore because there's very few places in the world that I haven't been. Um, so then I started doing that at my in-laws house. Now their fridge is covered in magnets and I was like, ah, I'm done doing that. And it costs me like $7 every month. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> it's, it's expensive and I've done it for years. However, when we were in Cancun, now that my wife and I, we have our own house now and our own family, I said, like, you know what would be really cool post COVID is to start doing the magnets again, but to do it for our house. That also gives me something to look forward to. So I said we could buy the first one together and it would be Cancun since we're here. And I was like, ah, nah, no, that's not a habit I'm interested in getting back into. So that's $7. In some places, like $10 to put it on the, you know, the, what kind of magnet I want to get because I want to be nice. But yeah, man, it definitely is a different thing in traveling, sitting on these planes with these masks on. And I get it. I understand the why behind it. But it's not fun, man. It's not. You get to your room and I, I don't disinfect my room. I really don't. I, I say a prayer. I do that. <laughs> I do, man. I'm not going to do that for every hotel. I get it if I'm going to one hotel, you know what I mean, a month or whatever. I just don't have the time. I really don't. So this is this is so, so good, right? Because, you know, you and I, you know, different worlds, but we, we, we travel extensively, right? And, you know, I was talking to my wife about this and talk to other people. I'm like, look, man, pre-pandemic, People were just as disgusting as they are now. Right. And, you know, it doesn't matter the the what virus is going around, et cetera. But, you know, there are just certain habits and things that I have become accustomed to uh, right or wrongly being a a frequent traveler. Right. And, you know, you just there's things that are just kind of like 
it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yep, it is what it is. And I, I say my prayer. I said, God, you're going to have to cover it. And just, you know, Lord, I, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. I'm not saying, you know, I've got my vaccination and whatever. So not that, but there's just some some stuff that's out of my control. It just really is. So I say what I, you know, I say my prayer and I, I, I go on about my day. Um, but I do I do make sure I say a prayer before every flight. That I have to do. Like, I, I, that I do. God, thank you for my family and thank you for, you know, my kids. And just, Lord, please be with this pilot. <laughs> That's real. Uh, knowledge and wisdom, Lord. If something, and if something happens to this plane, I'm fine with that. Just give him the wisdom to land this plane safely. I watched, what was that, that uh, whatever that movie was. And it wasn't a movie, it really happened. The dude landed the plane on the Hudson River. Exactly. Give him right. that kind of, give him that, God. I'm okay with being on the plane. But uh, yeah, just let me make it home. So. So, so, so yeah. let's talk about your, 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 your vice of travel, right. And, and how you have, I would say, uh, perfected your, um, your habits and your rhythm, right. We, so, you know, we were, we were chatting up and, and, and for those are kind of like, oh, you know, they don't really talk about some stuff like, no, like, you know, Erskine will post a, a picture of him in a seat on a plane. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's Ford C on a 787 oh. American. I know that plane. <laughs> And so how have you, um, I would say, perfected your 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 traveling? Right. Because because it's different being a leisure traveler versus like you do this for business. You do this for work. How have you perfected your your methods and your your hobbies and your or your your habits as you made your way through airports and things like that? Oh, uh, well, the first thing was make sure you got TSA pre and global entry. It's a pain to, to get on the wait list for that. And I mean, it's even worse now. My actual, my global entry just expired, um, expired here recently, but due to COVID, they've uh, stretched it out. So I got two years to go back in and do another interview. But making sure you have that TSA pre, that's a life, it's a life saver. The other week, I, was, I forgot where I was, but I know that line. Coming back, I mean, that line, the regular line to get through security, probably, I mean, it was wrapped around the front of the airport. Mm. And those, they, they were rumbling and complaining, what's going on up there? And whatever, whatever, whatever. But the TSA pre line had three people in it. I mean, I, I excuse me, I walked on through <laughs> that. That's a lifesaver in and of itself. Just knowing what to wear. I don't wear jeans when I travel. Sometimes I do, but if I do, they're like jogger jeans, mm. no belt wear a belt i don't i don't want that thing to go off um shoes i'll wear whatever and wear my jacket but um yeah for the most part i just know what not to wear i wear joggers because some of these flights you know I, i'm just landing and going straight to a hotel and then i can change later so it doesn't really matter i'm not like landing and going straight to some some place so i make sure uh i'm comfortable when i fly i used to wear these uh compression socks i don't wear those anymore but now i wear these like thick they're like work socks, but that way I can take my shoes off and mm. it feels like my carpet. I do wear those. Uh, kind of just, kick, you know, I don't know, just just to kick up. So that's one thing I do. Um, I always bring my pillow. I make sure I have my chapstick. Uh, I use a restroom before I get on the flight because I like to sit at the window. Um, and I only sit at the window, not so I can lean on the window, but that way uh, while I'm sleeping, if I choose to sleep, the person on the inside, you know, sometimes yep. there's two people. Or one person inside, depending, but I don't have to get up every time they have to use the restroom. Or I forgot something in my bag or whatever. You can't get good sleep that way. The only place you can get good sleep if you're not in first class, and even in first class, the same thing. They still have to step over you or ask you to get up. 
the only place to get good sleep is at the window. So, you know, while so everyone else can get up, you know, anyway. So no, no, I always it, it, I, I tell you what, I'm over here trying not to laugh because, I mean, everything that you said is exactly the way that I am. And, and my wife is an owl person. And I'm like, no, oh, yeah. I'm like, no, I, I, I need the window. I, you know, I have certain, I know what I'm packing. I know what I'm wearing. And if it's leisure, oh, I'm definitely in, you know, I, I have a, a, a new outfit that I love to wear. I have an Adidas jumpsuit that is perfect because it's comfortable. I got zippered pockets. So I'm not worrying about anything falling out. It's just, it's, it does what it needs to do. Yep, absolutely. So my, well, um, so we were flying this week. My wife was like, yeah. Uh, so I was choosing her seat for because, you know, on America, our, our flights were booked separately. So for me, you know, the artists that I'm working with, they'll book my flight. And then I booked her flight. Uh, so, of course, I get upgraded to first class because I fly. But, you know, we were sitting together. And I was like, all right, fine. You know, I would never sit in first class and have my wife back. So I put my wife in first class on the flight down to Cancun. And at first, man, originally, uh, the plane was one of those planes, uh, you know, with the three seats and then the four seats and the three seats, yep. which means first way flat seats. And I had her up there, but then they changed the plane at the last minute. I don't know how they did that. They changed the plane. So it was just a regular old, no, regular plane. But I wanted her to experience that. But anyway, so she sat in first class on the way down there and I sat in her seat, um, which was originally an aisle seat. Cause that's what she likes. So she can get up. I was like, yeah, but you're, you know, you're really asking for it when somebody else inside needs to get up too. You got to get up every time they got to get up. And that's just not that's not worth it. So I, I've taught her now. You want the window seats. So I said, repeat after me. <laughs> I want a window. She's like, I want a window. Seat. Yes, that's what you want. Yes. Let me help you. <laughs> yeah, man. So so so, so, so yeah. What are your pet peeves then in regards to traveling? Are you, you, you have your stuff down pat. You know, you know, your seats, you know where you want to be. What are your pet peeves that you see? Pet peeves. Um, first pet peeve. People not, and it's nobody's fault, but people not knowing, you know, go ahead and keep your boarding pass out. Actually, that's actually changing. I don't know. I mean, when you're going through security and, and let's say if someone checked the bag, there's no point in putting your boarding pass in your purse, ma'am. There's no need because you just checked the bag. We're now heading through the security line. And when you get up, now I, now you have no idea where your boarding pass is. And we're all waiting for you to go through all of your stuff that you have in your hand. Just go ahead and keep your boarding pass in your hand. But now you don't necessarily need that. Now they're doing it with just the ID. With just the ID, know. which is which is which I, I'm liking is is quicker at times. But you know, but it's, it's inconsistent. I will say that TSA is inconsistent. Where so now I gotta ask when I get up there: Are we doing just the ID? Are we doing the board? Oh, we're we're still doing the boarding pass here. And every single city is different. So the, you know, yeah, there's no consistency in it yet. I will say that. That's one of the pet peeves. The other pet peeve, I mean, it doesn't really bother me because it's none of my business. When people get on their flight, they lay their their suitcase, what is it, sideways? Mm. Hey, man, don't put it side like the, you know, it's got to go wheels in first and then on its side. It depends on the flight, but you know, just make sure you look at the diagram in the back because other people aren't going to be able to get the thing on there. Another pet peeve, and I know they say you know one item overhead, the other item under your seat. I all, I'm always I always say it out loud. No, 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 no. I don't put anything down on my feet because there's not a lot of foot room unless you get upgraded to first class, which I do most of the time. But unless I do, I don't have any foot room and I'm not about to give you my foot room to put my bag down here. I, I, I just don't. So I always put two bags up there. Every now and again, you get the flight attendant who's top flight security in the world. 
sorry, sir, that bag needs to go. In. Oh, I'm, so, you know, and I wait for them to turn around. I do. I sit down and I put it down there, but I, you know, I do look for my, for my bag up top because it's, there's just not enough space down there, especially if it's a four-hour flight or something like that. I have to have some footroom, so. And I, I'm not like a tall, tall guy, but like I'm too tall to be in the back with. And in first class, I'll put my seat, you know, my bag under the under the seat. So that's another one of my pet peeves. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Crying babies used to bother me, but I've got two babies now. So now mm-hmm. when a baby cries, I'm not like, oh man, that's so annoying. Now I'm like, hey, little baby, what's wrong? You know, because they're crying because there's a problem. Yeah. And, and I. Oh, I was a dad, but there's just a problem. There's 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 no issue. So even a baby crying on the flight does not bother me. I can listen to that without earbuds in or without you know something. Uh, I can listen to that the whole flight and it does not bother me. So they, that would have been the number one thing on my list, but it's not anymore because sometimes I'm not dad. No, exactly. Man, I, 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 I I'll tell you what. There's 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 been times where um, like I'll be in the airport and people are getting upset like. I at times have been able to completely zone out children yelling, crying, screaming, or all those types of things. You got kids, and you're just kind of like, uh, it is what it is. I'll just, oh, it's not going to bother me. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me because if I was here with my kid, I wouldn't want somebody looking at me all sideways the way I used to look at people, you know, when they're, you know, I I wouldn't want that. I want a little grace because me as a parent, I'm going to get it under control. Just give me a second. I got to figure out what my kid, you know, let me just figure out what my kid needs. So that 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 doesn't bother me anymore. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's really that's really about it. That's really that's about real. it. And I've learned to tune everybody out, you know, <laughs> on these flights. I'm trying to get on the flight. I do my own thing. I don't know what's going on. I mean, the mask thing has kind of become a thing now, you know, with people who are like, I'm not wearing this mask over my nose. That's kind of become like my like where I'm looking to see how many people in this country just won't just just follow if that's the rule at the airport. You choose to fly because you can always drive yourself from New York to California if That's you right. want to. Choose not to. You want to fly. The rule is the mask needs to be over your nose and mouth. And I mean, these people, there was one guy I was listening to him talk to his girlfriend. He was like, yeah, I always keep a cup in my hand. It's empty, but nobody needs to know that. And uh, I just do that because as long as I have a cup in my hand, it looks like I'm drinking something. I don't have to wear my mask. Which is so I, t- I tell people this. Right. And this is why. In some ways, you just kind of like I me. Mean, it is what it is because people are nasty, people are disgusting, and people don't want to yeah. do do what they're supposed to do. And it's kind of I, I can't I can't do anything about it. And it's funny because in the I don't want to say there's a different me when I travel for business versus uh, personal or no leisure, but uh, I will say that it's it's interesting trying to explain to you know leisure travelers or watching leisure travelers have their opinion about what should happen or shouldn't happen in airports versus business travel. You can always tell, right? The people that do this for a living, that this is just a part of their, their everyday life. They're the, they're the most, I will say, um, uh, accommodating people, uh, out there because there's nothing that ever really surprises you anymore at an airport, at a hotel, rental car, whatever it is. But you can always tell the, the, the novice travelers cause you're like, you're the person who has the most issues with everything that's going on. So like you said, you can just get in a car and drive. You know what I mean? Yep. You absolutely get in the car and drive. I mean, you know, not knowing you can't bring three bags onto the flight or you, you go into check-in and your suitcase weighs 75 pounds. And, you know, and it's like, it's always some sort of hiccup and I'm stuck behind you. So this is the me without sleep. See, this is why I don't like these early morning flights. <laughs> 
Me without sleep, I'll say something out loud. Hey, man, move off the side. Hey, figure it out. So that's, that's why I don't like being that guy. I got to make sure I'm, I get my sleep so I can tell you, you know, hey, you know, or, or if your suitcase is just a little too big and they're telling, you know, trying to put it in that little thing to see if it'll fit in overhead bins. You know, if you flip that thing around, it will actually, most of the times, your suitcase will compress down and slide in there. If they will slide in there, they'll let you take it on the plane. Sometimes I tell people that. Sometimes, you know, if I'm tired and upset and irritated, I don't tell folks that. There are very few suitcases that won't fit on that flight. Very few of them. If you do it correctly in that little bag thing, you got to do it. You got to turn your suitcase around to where the front is facing the back of that suitcase thing, and then it'll compress down evenly and it will fit in there. Erskine over here giving y'all free knowledge. I'm just all for all y'all flying. Frontier and spirit. Ago, I was like, this bag fits. It always fits, but it wouldn't fit that day. And she said, sir. And I was and I was getting heated. And she's like, sir, calm down. I was like, no, I'm not going to calm down. It does fit. She's like, you're right. It does. I want you to turn around. I want you to turn your bag around and slide it down the thing. I want to show you that. It does fit. She said, see, and I wasn't going to tell you because you were getting upset. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you just so you know. Always turn your bag around. It will fit in there. I was like, I thought so. You know, but anyway, that's yeah, that, that was the old me, the new me. The, no, 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 this ain't no old you. I want y'all to listen to this. He just told y'all that he get a little heated. <laughs> doesn't, she doesn't like going with places, period. And it's not it's not a rude thing, because if we go to McDonald's and the food is cold, most times my wife will actually pull off and just be like, oh, we'll just heat it up at home. And not, but that's not me because I just pay. I didn't give you cold money. I didn't. I, <laughs> I didn't give you cold money. I gave you exactly what you were asking for. You asked for nine dollars for a meal at McDonald's. It's nine bucks. I would like it ain't gonna be hot, hot, but I would like what I paid for it. And I know in these moments, I'm not talking to the person at the register. That's a, I'm talking to McDonald's, the corporation. So I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But this is business to business. You're accepting my money. I would love what I'm paying for. That's all. <laughs> hate, I mean, she walks away when I get started, man. But I, oh, I, I have no shame because I'm not hurting someone's feelings. And I make sure they know, hey, sorry, Carl. I'm, I'm you know, hey, this, this is not on you. But uh, yeah, if you don't mind, let your manager know the food is cold. And that's not right. You know, that kind of thing. You know, I, I, I'm not being rude. I'm as sweet as I can be. But like. You, 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 y'all are, y'all sure aren't giving me a discount. Food is old. You're not. You're making me pay full price. So I just want what I want to pay for. I love it. I, we, we need to travel together because I would love to see you in these situations. <laughs> hey, hey, me, when I'm on, man, I'm on. <laughs> That's why I most times say, do I, I stay dormant. I don't say nothing. I keep to myself. But if I gotta, if I gotta turn on with these American Airlines, man, we were at this, um, we were at the resort this week down in, in Cancun, man, and there was a, a wait list. Even though your name was on the reservation for this dinner reservations for these things, and they were still running an hour behind. And I hate to be that person. I was like, I was with my wife, and we were just about to go to uh, uh, Babyface's room. He invited the band up to his room for drinks, Coca-Cola and Sprite, if you will. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I only drink Coca-Cola, and that's real. Uh, but anyway... He was inviting us up to the room, but we were going to be running late if we waited for the food and whatever. So I, I did. I had to pull my artist badge, my, my, my pass, my baby face laminate, my artist pass from the event that flew us down there. Just had to flash it a little bit and be like, I'm so sorry. 
uh, we were told that if, you know, we, we need to be seated faster to show you our passes. And, and so, yeah, she did. She's like, oh, and there were probably 30 people, 30 people waiting who had been there longer than us. They moved us to the front of the line. My wife hated the fact that I did that. But we got, we were seated and we got our food. We were the next ones to go. Yeah. So it's very interesting. There's, and, and then we'll go into lightning round here. Um, but yeah. in, in regards to travel, right, it's it's when you when you travel frequently and there's certain things that you're like, hey, I've, I've, I've put in time, effort, energy, consistency in doing this. Like you said, just like at McDonald's, I expect in return, uh, you know, value for for what I have provided you. And, you know, and, and, I, and, and just very few times that I try to pull that card, right, that I pull out the executive platinum card or I pull out the Spire Elite or the titanium card at Marriott or whatever it is. Right. There's very few times that I do it. But when I do, it's a problem. You get your results. Hey, hey, I'm getting my results because I need you guys to know, like, I've been doing this for a while with you guys. You know, like, I, I really have. And I just so for this for this particular event, I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I get it. All you guys are here for. And I did. I said this without saying it by pulling out this pass. Um, I'm not here to enjoy myself. Mm. I'm actually work. But to work, I have to eat. And this is where they told me to eat. They told us to eat at the restaurants. I'm not waiting for an hour and a half to be seated. I'm not. Because the show that night is actually Babyface, which y'all are coming to see. I'm going to be sitting here stuck in line waiting to eat some food while y'all are out there waiting for you know us to take the stage. But they can't take the stage because I'm in here. You know what I mean? So for that, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do that. But yeah, man, I was flying Delta the other week. And I don't ever fly Delta. I'm executive platinum on American. Um, but I said, I really love flying Delta. This is when I was getting on the flight. Mm -hmm. and I think my seat, last seat on the plane, I was in like row 32 or something like that. And I, I was telling the flight, the, the flight attendant, I love flying Delta so much. She's like, do you really? I said, I do because I'm a nobody on Delta. Yep. I'm a nobody on American airlines. I'm executive platinum. When I fly Delta, I have no status. I sit in the very back of the plane, middle seat, no space for my bag or whatever. And I said, but truthfully, and I know that's not your fault or whatever, but it would be great if there was some sort of matching program. I have no incentive to want to fly Delta. That's the problem. I enjoy Delta. I enjoy United. I have no incentive to want to ever fly with you guys because to get to where I am on American, I would have to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it's not cool for me to do that. Like, I, I have no incentive. Now, if y'all had a matching program and I was researching this. It looked like they did at one point. They did. They oh, used they to. Did. They used to they used to status match oh. United and Delta. The thing is, though, from from executive platinum is now this is for all the, the travel nerds that are listening to the podcast. So right. they, they never match you to the um, exact to, to the exact one. Right. They, they'll always match you one down and then require you to, you know, hit certain uh, criteria to do it. But pandemic, they skimmed all that stuff back because they extended everybody's status. For people that didn't even fly during the pandemic, right? And then, so essentially, the roles are too full to be able to do this. Ah, God! So everyone's got status. Everybody yeah. has status, which I, I have my own comments about that. Especially being a person that you know achieves status every year via miles, via you know dollars spent, and things like that. But that's we 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 just gonna have to have a, a a travel discussion to talk about those things. I have my own pet peeves on there, but I do want to. I run around this out because I hope people can can hear the passion in in the conversation in regards to travel and everything that you have. But I got a couple of lightning rounds, which I always love to talk with uh, people who travel a lot uh, in regards to to their stuff. So 
You ready for this lightning round? I don't have lightning sound, but we can just make up. Let's try. Round. All right. Your favorite and worst airport. Ooh, favorite. I mean, I got to be honest. My word, the worst airport, and this is just because I'm a cheap person. I don't like flying into or out of DFW, and that is my home airport. I don't think I've seen another airport that costs money to get to. <laughs> What in the world, man? You got to spend like $6 to get to the airport. There's no way around it. <laughs> so that I don't like spending useless money, and that's useless. So that's one thing. So that's one of the worst airports. I think my favorite airport, um, man, I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to let you. I'm, I, what, what do you think about your favorite airport? I'm not sure. They're all pretty much the same. You know what? Hold on. Where was I at this past week? Charlotte, North Carolina. They've redone. Uh, they've redone their airport. I did think it was pretty cool in the boarding area for the American Airlines flights. Every seat now has the power at the seat where you set your phone on the. Oh, the wireless charging. Never seen that before. Yeah. I, I mean, that was my first time being there. I'm not sure who else has that. But I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So my my um, I, I actually like DFW a lot because <sighs> because. I'm, you're not stranded to terminals. You can always get around to where you're going, right? You can walk to every terminal except for E, but I can get around. Right. My, worst, yeah, my worst airport, and I was just talking to some people about this recently. My worst airport would have to be either Atlanta or Denver. And it's because, Really? Yes, Atlanta because their terminals are too long and it's old. Like it's just dark in there. It just feels it's just packed. But Denver, the security line at Denver is always just too long even with even even on pre-check at times it, because they because unlike dfw another reason i like dfw you have three security entrances at every terminal so you can split spread everybody out but places like atlanta places like denver where they're funneling funneling everybody into the same checkpoint it's a problem for me you know what i've never thought about it that way but i guess that makes sense yeah there's one way into that thing no matter which terminal you're at, you got to go in through that entrance. Yep. Yikes. Yep. Yeah. No, I really, uh, yeah, I, I've never really had any problems in Atlanta. I like going to the, uh, Atlanta has always been cool. Denver's always been cool. I've never really noticed the problems. I mean, I guess in Denver, yeah, you know what? They were doing construction there right before the pandemic started. They were They're doing still doing it. Mm -hmm. They're still doing it? Yeah. Yeah, that made it a little bit tougher to, to get the security there. So we had to be there a lot sooner. I don't like and I, I said this to you uh, on the thing, man, that the boarding area is for chumps. So I don't really try to get to the flight early. <laughs> point I like that we can go to the lounge and whatnot. But now, instead of even wasting my time in the lounge, I don't like being in the airport longer than I have to be. So tomorrow, uh, my flight is at 7 a.m. I was already planning. I'm going to leave the house at 545, which gets me. And I'm going to park right at the right at the door. So I should be there 5.30, which is actually a little early, but I'm coming from my brother's house and they're doing a little sleepover thing tonight, the, the kids. Um, so I'll be there 5.45. We board at 6.20, I think, in the morning. So, you know, probably take, what, 10, 15 minutes to get through the security or whatever. I'll sit at the boarding area for about 10 minutes, 15 oh. minutes, Todd. At DFW and at other airport? I mean, if I know the airport, like, I will get there, I mean, 10 minutes, five minutes before boarding, because I, I agree. Oh. It's it just, I, 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 I loathe sitting in the airport. All right. All right. You, you, you already talked about your, your, you fly American, you know, almost exclusively, but what's your favorite or worst air, uh, airplane? Uh, 
Man, I, I couldn't tell you the number, but my favorite airplane is definitely the one, and not the old one, because America's got these old ones. Is it, is it not seven? Was it seven seventy seven? Yeah, the trip seven. Or, yeah, I, I think so. Just the big old, the big old jumbo planes. I've been on one of the double deckers once or twice. Never been upstairs, so I don't know what that's about. But I definitely, whatever the lay flat seats are, man, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, there's one of them that has an extra large bathroom too. It's on the left that's the side. Seven, of the that's the seven eighty seven. <laughs> yeah. <Do you>, that- <laughs> I because there's only like the big bathrooms and that's the handicap part of it. That, yep. Feels like a real bathroom in there. You that's the only one off. The rest of you phobic. <laughs> That's, I'm laughing because I know ex- I'm looking. I'm looking literally at that one, and it has the has like a pocket door on it too. It's great. It's great. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's 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 the one. I, mean, right. I don't like the little bathroom. Yeah. No. I mean they're getting smaller and smaller too. All right. What about a uh, hotel brand or chain? Uh, let me see. Mm, to be honest with you, I've I've never really cared for Hilton. I mean it's. Really, uh, it's too cookie cutter for me. And Marriott, uh, Marriott is okay. I mean, I I, I like the uh, with the Ritz Carlton every now and again. I get to stay at the Ritz, and that's okay for me, man. I particular brand, I'm not really sure. I don't do a lot of my booking, so I go. And I, to be honest, in the ten years I've been doing this, I just now just started doing the hotel points thing. Mm. And I was like, I could be the whole time. She's like, yeah, you should you should have been doing this the whole time. So I just now started keeping up with all that. The same way I keep up with my miles. I never really have. I just kind of show up. Where's everyone today? I think today. So today, uh, the show I'm playing is here in Dallas. I think everyone's staying. They're staying at the Westin today. And the Westin, same thing, is pretty cookie cutter for me. I like. If I had to really pick, I actually like these, like the the D level hotels. Like yeah, we're gonna do it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like those. You know, they got a little character to them. Aside from that, I couldn't tell you what city I'm, I'm in. And I, maybe that's on purpose because you don't really, you know what I mean? Like if you're no, traveling I, a whole. No, I know. There, there's been times that I've, I'll wake up, especially like I'm staying at some of these business hotels, like a courtyard or something like exactly. that. You wake up and you're like, all right, where am I today? Where? Because yeah. it looks the exact same as the one I was in yesterday in a different city. Like that to me is confusing. So I do like my rooms to have some character that's good i also we every now and again we can stay at like the casino that we're playing if we're playing a casino we get to stay there that's always interesting to see because sometimes it's you know a super nice suite or whatever like some of these casinos really take pride in the rooms some of them don't but some of these are like man these are these are pretty nice so i do enjoy getting to see getting to see a little bit of that that's cool all right favorite destination you've traveled all over the world favorite destination Favorite destination. Um, I I enjoyed Vancouver, and that is a place I want to take my wife. Mm. Um, that was going to be my next also, question, so that's perfect. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the place I want to I want to take my wife there. But there was one place that I landed. I think I've landed there now twice in Vail, Colorado, and it was by accident. We got off the plane. I, I think it might have just rained, so it smelled like rain. But like Vail, it looked like it was out in the middle of the forest or something like that. And it's one of those where you have to like walk down the stairs of the plane to mm-hmm. get off the plane. Hey, the sm- it was probably 55 degrees. This was eight years ago, and I still remember it. Like it was, and I'm like, I have to come back here. I haven't been back yet, 
but it just smelled like the rainforest and there were trees. And they said, uh, one of those famous authors wrote all of his books there. He'd fly there and that's where he would go for inspiration. I said, I, I can see why. Just stepping off the plane, I'm like, I get it. I yes, completely get it. Vail, Colorado is a place I like to go back to that I haven't been back to. I think I've been once, maybe twice, but never to stay. It was always just to catch another flight and leave. Never been there, been there. Mm, that's what's up. And you already answered the last one I was going to ask. Where, where would you like to take your wife? And Vancouver is, is, is a pretty cool town, man. It's really nice. I like it up there, too. It's going to be neat. Yeah, I, I've been a few times, but never really explored. I know I'm going back again, I think in January. Uh, and I asked her if she's free to come. She said she's not. She's got to work. So it's all good. So one of these days, I'd like to go. I only like to take her on trips where I don't have to pay for myself. That's the only way. Aside from that, man, if I got to pay myself and for her to go, I, I'll choose not to go. So we don't travel a lot together uh, for that reason, because, A, traveling to me is not leisure. It doesn't matter because the only thing that changes is now I got to pay for myself. I got to pay for the hotel and pay for her. Like, it's never fun for me, regardless of how we do it. Um, so that's why if we're going to go on a trip, it has to be a work trip. She's coming with me next month. We're going to New York City. But I'm not paying for me. I'm not paying for the hotel. I'm paying for her. And this will be uh, the kids' first trip since COVID started. So they're, they're also coming to this. This is the Thanksgiving week. So it'll be like the Sunday before Thanksgiving, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Erskine is the, the cheapest traveling artist you will ever know. Apparently. Hey, hey, don't spend per diem. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't buy $5 bottles of water from the airport. I know they intentionally make the air dry in the airport. So I always... <laughs> Bottle of water. I used to bring an actual like water bottle for that, um, a filtered water bottle, but I don't do that anymore. Now I just bring like a little Kroger bottle of whatever bottles of water we have in the house. I chug it in the car on the way to the airport, and then I use the restroom when I get to the airport. Then I fill up that empty bottle when I get through the airport uh, security. But yeah, aside from that, man, that's the only place. Have you ever like? How often do people really go to uh, there was some place like nobody eats Burger King breakfast? Not really. <laughs> or when it's twelve dollars for a breakfast meal, you the line is all the way down the terminal for Burger King breakfast. No one is that hungry. You're not like it, it's it's a trick to where it's like man, I've got status. I got the breakfast. Where Starbucks, all right, Starbucks. Granted, their line is long regardless. You know, in and out of the airport. So their line, I respect that to be long, but not like wrapped around the terminal long oh to say I got a car, but you gotta be kidding me and paying overpriced for it. So I refuse to give it. I don't eat at the airport. I don't pay for food. I, I just, I won't do it. I'll stop before I get to the airport because you know, you can bring food through security. Yes. So a lot of people forget that. Like you can't bring anything through. No, you can't bring drinks through. I can bring my food through. So I try to find something like maybe a salad or something that the temperature of it doesn't really matter. If you try to bring fast food through, by the time it's cold. So, you know, something like a sandwich from Jimmy John's or something, I'll grab that and bring that. You 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 got me crying here, man. <clears throat> I, I, I believe people want to pay $6 for a bottle. Well, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, my. All right. So I thank you, man, for taking the time today. And this is. This is all Absolutely. this is all plus what I wanted to to be able to cover because <clears throat> the, the passion behind it. Right. The passion behind the music, the passion behind the travel are the things that that make us who we are. Right. That that create the lifestyle that we have, that create the 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 rhythm of our life. And 
that's what this whole Vice City series was about. And that's really what All Things Fine and Gentry is about, man, is, is learning stories, learning about people and and being able to have a, a, a laugh here and there. So thank you, man, for, for coming on to the podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me and getting to, man, it's been pretty cool getting to talk about, like, I take this stuff, not, not for granted, if you will, but yeah, I was flying, I flew, what was it, Monday, I was flying Wednesday, I fly... I would have been flying today except for our show um, with Brian McKnight here in Dallas tonight. So I'm actually about to run out of here, uh, head to sound check, but everyone else flew in today. And then we fly out tomorrow. We go to Chicago and then I fly right back Sunday to make sure I'm home in time for Sunday morning service. So I'll be here for church. So, yep, got a 7 a.m. flight tomorrow and then a 5 a.m. flight uh, Sunday morning. So it's a quick, quick turnaround trip. But, man, yeah, I just I, I don't even think about this stuff anymore. I just get up and I go. There it is. But we thank each and every one of you all for for tuning in and listening. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode, learning a little bit more about music and miles with uh, with Erskine Hawkins here. It's been a great time and we hope that you all have enjoyed this episode as well as the Vice City series. As I said in the beginning, if you, um, you know, this is your first time listening or your 50th time listening, love that you will like, share, subscribe, rate, review, drop a little note on Instagram or Facebook. We will repost you and go from there. But uh, beyond that, we thank you for tuning in and we will see you all after a while.